Welcome to Widowcast Podcast, where you learn how to find the strength to get through your journey and the skills to coach other widows. This is not your average grief group. This is your journey group. It just may show you the way to make something amazing come out of the emotional pain and trauma of widowhood. I'm your host, Joanne Philomena. I'm the best-selling author of Widowed and Widow Coach, and I'm a professional certified life coach. Let the healing and your personal journey begin. Hey, welcome. I know it's been a minute since I uploaded a podcast, (laughs) but we are working on some great stuff to introduce to you guys. So this is episode 109. 109. And I today I want to talk to you a little about the discomfort of grief, the emotional discomfort of grief versus the emotional discomfort of personal growth. Because I was listening to my own coach discussing discomfort the other morning. And um, by the way, if you go to work with a coach and they've never hired a coach themselves, run away, (laughs) run away, because I'm here to tell you even professional certified life coaches need their own coaches. It's such an amazing difference in your life to have someone who is neutral and honest and can give you that outside perspective on things that you're dealing with. You know, we are living inside the pickle jar, so we can't really see the label on the outside, but your coach can. So one of the things I think that bugs me so much when I see other um, coaches out there, I'm not saying all other coaches, but I see coaches out there who take on, you know, the position of expert, which is fine. You need to own your field of expertise, But they also take on this air of, you know, I'm the coach and I've got life all figured out. And the truth is, you can manage your mind and manage your mind, but it's like cleaning your house. It's not like you can clean your whole house up really good all at once and then say, there it is. It's spectacular. It's perfect. And I'll never have to clean again. No, you know, like... Four days later, you're going, oh, it's time to run a dust rag around this place again, right? So managing your mind is kind of the same way. There are always thoughts and beliefs surfacing to be looked at, um, and you can self-coach, but there is nothing like having your own coach to turn to. And, um, I've got a couple of coaches that I reach out to and they are absolutely fabulous coaches. So anyway, I was listening to one of my own coaches talking about discomfort and she was talking about how the discomfort of beating yourself up does not provide growth. It's a different kind of emotional discomfort, right? When you beat your, mentally beat yourself up over things. But the discomfort of repeatedly risking feeling uncomfortable as we learn and grow is to be expected and it's tolerable and it's worth it if you're if you're experiencing some kind of personal growth or learning experience so um 
when you mentally beat yourself up, it's because your brain is going to the negative. And I've talked before on this podcast how that's kind of the natural state of our brain. It's how it evolved. It evolved to keep us alive as humans by always looking for the danger to keep us alive, right? But as a result, in today's world, we don't have saber-toothed tigers waiting outside our front door, but our brain is still looking for them. It's still going to the negative, looking for the negative on that. I recently heard these negative thoughts being referred to as ANTS, and I loved that. ANTS stands for Automatic Negative Thoughts. And they are automatic. They kind of come from this pre-programmed lower back part of your brain, right? And you, when you mentally beat yourself up over stuff, it's like you're constantly wounding yourself. It's like having a low-grade fever that never goes away. You're in this little bit of constant discomfort because your brain is, you know, constant, you know, you know, the kind of self-talk I'm talking about. And the most interesting thing about it is as soon as you decide you want to try something new or you're offered a chance at something that's kind of awesome and exciting, your brain steps right up with a bunch of ants. It says, that's a terrible idea. What makes you think you could ever do that? Seriously. This is probably all just a joke anyway, right? What, what things does your brain tell you? I mean, I love that. I, I love my brain and I now understand that when I say, oh gosh, let me try doing this in my business. Maybe I should offer this to my clients. My brain is immediately going to say, oh, that's a terrible idea. Probably we're going to die if we try that which of course is the most ridiculous thought. But really, that's why your brain goes into that mode. It thinks you're going to die. It doesn't know there isn't a saber-toothed tiger waiting outside your front door. And it actually interprets little threats in our environment like saber-toothed tigers, right? That threat of taking a little bit of risk to try something, your brain is like, it's a tiger, it's a terrible idea. You're probably going to die. Makes you feel so uncomfortable dealing with those thoughts. Now, we can kill some of the ants and begin moving forward. Okay? And the way we're going to kill the ants, and it's funny to say it this way because I don't even kill ants. I know, I know. I don't like spraying them. I don't like poisoning them. I just... I'm worried, first of all, the fact that they appear to be a really sentient community of beings. If you've ever watched an ant colony, yes, I come from left field sometimes, but I have to tell you, um, I've learned how to accommodate ants. I've also learned how to use cinnamon along, you know, the edges of my door sills and things because I don't like to walk over cinnamon. I think it burns their little feet. But I've been known to do things like when ants started coming into my kitchen to go to the cat food dish. And um, I know if you try to kill them or clean them up, you just they're just going to run all over your kitchen, first of all. 
But I also felt bad for them. It was like the middle of summer, hot and dry. These poor ants, they don't have any moisture outside. Of course, they're going to come get the wet cat food. So I started, my solution was to take a little piece of wax paper, put a spoonful of cat food on it, and set it outside the kitchen door where the ants were coming in. So I put it on the porch out there. And the ants would come and eat their food every morning and go away. And they never came in my house again, as long as I gave them a little wet cat food. So yes, I was not only feeding the cats, I was feeding the ants all summer. Um, my house, my last house I had in California before I moved east, ants started showing up in my master bath every morning. California is very, very dry and it doesn't rain after, oh, May. <laughs> Okay. It rains from about January through May and that's it. So ants started coming in the master bath. And when I noticed them, there was like this big, long black line, of course, coming in from the side of the room and up the vanity and across. And then I looked in the sink and they were all in the sink trying to get droplets of water. So I said, oh my gosh, they just want to get a drink. So I started closing the sink and leaving like just a little bit of water in the bottom of the sink. And when I would get up in the morning, the ants would be there and they would all be lined up around the water like um, exclamation points, <laughs> like a bunch of little exclamation points drinking water. And they would be there for like, you know, I don't know, 15, 30 minutes coming and going. But then before I even left for work, that whole line of ants would be gone from the bathroom. They would just show up every morning for a drink of water. It was like so much, to me, it was so much saner to accommodate them than it was to try to kill all those ants. Because you know that there's like going to be more ants and more ants and more ants keep coming in. So I think it's funny when I talk about killing ants in our brain. But here's the thing. You're not really killing these automatic negative thoughts because all your automatic negative thoughts are not wrong. They're not bad. You want some automatic negative thoughts. You want your brain to say, hold on. It looks like those young thugs over there have guns. Let's not go that way. Good idea. <laughs> Good idea. Automatic negative thoughts, right? You need to know that you can experience uncomfortable emotions and be just fine. And you can recognize the ants when they show up in your brain and say, well, thank you, brain. I realize you're just trying to protect me here. This is silly. I appreciate the warnings, but we're going to try this out anyway. We're going to go zip lining because by golly, I've always wanted to zip line. So... If you're willing to experience that kind of discomfort, you can create your life and constantly become a better and better version of yourself. This is the kind of discomfort that I teach my certified widow coaches to expect, especially while building their business, building their practice as a widow coach, right? Because you're doing so many new things and it becomes uncomfortable because you're risking failure or your brain thinks you're going to risk looking foolish for even trying this thing. And it feels uncomfortable. 
it's all right. You cannot grow in in your life or in your personal development without a little discomfort, without a little anxiety going on there. You're pushing yourself beyond your limits. Um, I once said, and I, you know, I just love this idea so much, is that your brain is perfectly normal. You have a perfectly normal brain that you're asking to do extraordinary things. And when you're asking your perfectly normal brain to do extraordinary things, you're really pushing it to its limits too. And I think that's a fabulous thing. The more I learn about the actual biology of our brain and neuroscience and how our brain has plasticity, it can form and reform, you can actually improve your brain. You can grow your brain. So I think when you are pushing the envelope with your brain, it's keeping your brain really sharp. It's keeping it honed. It's growing it. This is what you want to do, especially as you start aging. You don't want to develop Alzheimer's. You don't want to develop dementia. You want to keep your brain really sharp. And by challenging your brain, that's how you do that. You know, when I have a new coach, I've just certified her and she wants maybe to set up her first webinar. And so she does her first webinar. She talks about it on Facebook and she has a few people actually show up for it and she teaches her best stuff on the webinar, but no one reaches out to work with her. If it makes her freak out, and be upset, then she might be fearful and decide to never try another webinar again. Instead, what she needs to do is to think about the webinar, think about all the things that worked really great in the webinar that she's proud of, and then think about the things that maybe didn't work so she can decide what she might want to try differently on the next one to see if it makes a difference. And there is a level of discomfort with that to say, oh, it didn't work. Most people go, oh, that didn't work. I'm never doing that again. And of course, they never succeed because in order to succeed, you have to fail at something. (laughs) Sometimes you have to fail at something a lot before you find what works and what is really successful. And that's the kind of discomfort that I teach my certified widow coaches to actually expect while they're building their business, right? If that discomfort is something she decides she cannot allow or risk again, she's just going to stop there and she's never going to grow a viable coaching practice. It'll never happen. So does it sound crazy that I'm recommending discomfort? I mean, Truly, having a career in coaching is so very rewarding in so many ways that the dis- any discomfort of growing my business is so welcome and worth it at this point. Took me a little while to learn that, though. Be honest, in the beginning, the discomfort of that personal growth, especially on the heels of trauma, of losing Jim, it was, there was a lot of times that it was really uncomfortable that I was pushing the envelope and I was pushing the envelope hard. When I was going through the certification process for me, there were days that I wanted to just hide under my desk and say, I just, I just can't even face it. 
right? So uncomfortable. It's a hard sell. Like, hey, look, come to me. I will teach you all my life coaching skills and how I use them with widows. I will certify you as a widow coach. And then we're going to have you get really uncomfortable because of all the personal growth. It is so exciting. It is so rewarding. The, the payoffs of what I do is just so huge for me that the disc I've learned over the years now to welcome the discomfort when it shows up because I know, oh my gosh, I'm really onto something here because I'm feeling so uncomfortable about it. And I just need to push through this so I can nail this down. This is, you will hear coaches talk about taking massive action to achieve a specific result in your life. And at first I used to think massive action was like just going after something in a really big way or like a shotgun approach. Let's just run in there and try everything at once. Massive action. That's not massive action. That's actually a little schizophrenic way of trying to build the business. Massive action is when you decide that you are going to keep taking action over and over and over again until you get your result. I think of it more as relentless action. You're just going to be relentless about it. You're going to keep chipping away at it. You're going to keep going back and tweaking it and trying it again and again and again until you get the result you want. When you take relentless action and you're willing to experience a little discomfort in taking that relentless action because your brain is like, you're going to fail. You're risking the humiliation of failure. You're risking the self-disappointment of failure. And yes, you are. But when you're willing to feel that little bit of discomfort to keep going back after it and back after it and back after it, then getting the result you want is inevitable. You're going to get there. I mean, I don't know about you, but when I realized that the first time, it was a little bit mind-blowing. It's like I could go after anything. As long as I am relentless in the actions I take towards it, I will eventually get there. And it's a little uncomfortable to grow. Yeah. The kind of discomfort, when I talk about part of the certification process that I went through as a life coach, is they said they wanted us to make a two-minute video talking about how we were going to help our clients, you know, our specific field of coaching, how, how we were going to do that. And it had to be no more than two minutes. If it was two minutes and one second, it would just get rejected by the master coaches. They were like, nope, not watching this one. So I submitted my first video and it was excruciating to make because I may have talked about this on the podcast before. I used to hate having pictures taken of me. I used to, I actually used to do some acting and I was a dancer and did acting and shows and I could walk out on stage and I'm like a hundred percent confident and I just fall into character and own it. But if there was a thought of having a camera on me, people used to say, Hey, are you going to like go make movies? you know, go down to LA, do some auditions. I was like, no cameras, no cameras. So asking me to make a two minute video was like, oh my God, I have to film myself. 
and I had to figure out how to do it. And it was like, it was such trauma. And I finally, I created my video. I submitted it. And the master coach I was working with came back and declined it, said, well, I think, you know, you should like try this, this, and this. And I was like, oh my gosh, I was horrified. And I wanted to, what's the point? I wanted to hide under my desk. The thought of having to reshoot that video was like the most excruciating thing. And um, it took me about a week, I think, to even face it and reshoot it. And I created a second video, which she turned down, and I created a third video. And by that time, she came back and said, well, you know, this one's better. But actually, you know what? I think you should use that first video because it was actually quite good. We're going to approve you on that first video. And I was like, what? What? And it took me a while to realize what she was doing. And it's because she knew that it was challenging for me. So she was going to make me do it again and again and again, even though that first video apparently was fine and should have passed certification. She was pushing my buttons. She had her foot in the middle of my back a little bit. And to this day, her name is Deb Butler. I am so grateful to you, Deb Butler, because you made me do video over and over and over again. You didn't want my certification to be too easy. And it's perfect because today I'm on video all the time. It's what I do. It's how I teach, right? Those videos, to make those videos was so uncomfortable. I can't even tell you. Yet today, there is not even a twinge of discomfort when I turn on my camera. I teach live over video with all of my students. We can all see each other. It feels like we're in the same room. I jump on Facebook. I do Facebook Lives in my group on Facebook. You know, I've got the Widowed Book Club in there, and sometimes I jump on live just to talk to them. Um, the pages I have for my classes, each class has their own secret Facebook group where they can all connect. And I go live in those all the time to answer questions or coach somebody on something or just share something that I came across. So I spend a lot of my day in front of a camera now. And for me, it's just, it's a natural thing. And when I think back at how uncomfortable I was making those videos, how uncomfortable I was the first time I went on camera to try to do a webinar, um, I just, it was awful. It felt awful. But here's the thing. If you can allow that discomfort, and when you allow it, it's like so much easier than resisting it. When you resist it, it just makes you more and more uncomfortable right? So when you can allow that discomfort to go after something you want, it's like, it is so good. It is so worth it. It's not the same really as the discomfort of grief. The discomfort of grief is, um, boy, it's a lot of different emotions and you may not be feeling like you want to experience the discomfort of all the mess of emotions that are flying through your body daily, hourly, almost by the minute, right? When we first lose our spouse, oh man, the emotions that come up and go through us. We seemingly have no choice but to experience that heavy sadness and discomfort. And I say seemingly 
because we do have a choice in how we react to those emotions and how we process them. There are good ways of being able to process those emotions versus bad ways. Okay. Bad ways are really trying to avoid them and buffer them. Um, overeating is a way to try to tune out on uncomfortable emotions actually works for a little bit because emotions, besides being a chemical process, they're also like a vibration that come down through our body from our brain thinking that thought. And it's just like a wine glass. As soon as you fill a wine glass, the vibration is reduced in the glass. It's, you know, if you take an empty wine glass and you ting your fingernail against the side and it goes ting, 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 it almost rings, right? If you fill that glass with something, if you fill it with wine, if you fill it with M&Ms, if you fill it with potato chips and cheese, what's <laughs> mine? And then you tink the side of the glass, it just goes tunk, tunk, tunk. It's dulled the vibration. That's what we do to our bodies when we overeat. We are dulling the vibration of the emotion we're experiencing. It's not a recommended thing to do because there's so many net negatives of overeating, right? Ruins your health, ruins your appearance, makes more automatic negative thoughts start cropping up the answer like rampant, right? <laughs> Why did you eat that? You're just going to get fatter, blah, 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 blah. Thank you, brain. A coach can absolutely take you through all those emotions and teach you how to allow the emotions so they're not ruling your life, so that you're not overeating to dull them. You're not over drinking to kind of medicate yourself in the evening with a few glasses of wine, or you're not out there shopping all the time because you get that little bit of high of buying things that makes you feel better. A coach can take you through those emotions and teach you how to allow them so they're not ruling your life. That's the first step. The truth is when you're ready to consider who you are now, who you want to become, where do you want life to take you? You're going to need to be able to experience the discomfort of personal growth. Okay. Personal growth is exciting and amazing. And at times it's like over the moon happy, but it's also risking feeling failure and embarrassment and disappointment. In other words, where there is growth, there's a little bit of discomfort. And how do you know if the discomfort you're feeling is grief, self-berating or progress? And you know that by where you are and what is happening, right? If after a couple weeks of discomfort, you feel like you're still in the same place, this is discomfort you can do without. If after a couple weeks of discomfort, you feel you have advanced and learned in some way, then you're on the right track. That's the difference. That's how you know. Like I said, I always find it amusing when I think that really what I'm trying to sell people on so often is a little bit of discomfort because if you, if you work with a coach or if you come into the widow coaches class, I'm going to teach you all these coaching tools and give you all these worksheets. And this is how you're going to work with other widows, but I'm also having you apply all those things in your own life while you're learning them. 
because that's the best way to learn them. So you're applying all these things. You're doing the worksheets for yourself. We are coaching each other in that class. You are going to experience a little bit of discomfort because you are going to grow so exponentially in that 12 week period. It's amazing. So, and it's a balance. Like why would somebody make themselves uncomfortable? I'll tell you why. Because there is so much good feelings that come in there that those, and once you know, you can absolutely allow the little bit of uncomfortable feelings. It's like, oh, it's just a no brainer. It's like, yeah, let me take this little bit of discomfort because if this really works for me, I'm going to be over the moon. I'm going to be ecstatic. I'm ecstatic right now about what I get to do every day. I jump out of bed. I'm so excited by what I get to do every day. So the discomfort of running a business and being an entrepreneur and there's a lot of discomfort because you are constantly growing. You are constantly challenged as an entrepreneur, but it is such an exciting trip. Everybody it really is. So start thinking about your own levels of discomfort and what thoughts come into your head that make you feel a little uncomfortable and start identifying if the discomfort is just beating yourself up or it's something that is not advancing you in any way, right? Because that's discomfort that you can allow and you can acknowledge, okay? Or is it the kind of discomfort that is allowing you to grow? Are you finding yourself learning new things? Are you meeting new challenges? Are you advancing your life in some way? That's the great kind of discomfort to have. So, like I said, it's a hard sell. It's like, hey, everybody, let's get out there and let's get real uncomfortable together. <laughs> let's do it. Get out there and try something new this week. Notice if it makes you a little bit uncomfortable. Notice your brain telling you what a terrible idea it is and that you're probably going to die. If you go to that new mall, down the road, you may die. <laughs> this is what your brain is going to tell you. And if you want to find out more about Widow Coach Certification, as always, you can reach out to me. You can go to widowcoaches.com, put in your name and your email address, and you will get an email back talking about where you can go fill out a questionnaire if you like, or you can just reach out to me directly if you are interested in doing the class. And we can talk about it. The, I have a new class that just started. They are dynamite. You guys, I hope you're listening to this. You know who you are. So good. They're so into it already. And they're learning so fast. I'm really excited. Um, the next class is going to be in early April right after this class is finished. And um, people are already talking to me about that April class. We're going to go ahead and start signing people up, taking deposits to hold a place in class. So if you want to find out more, reach out to me. And um, I will talk to you again next week because I've got more stuff up my sleeve for you all. Get out there and find some joy in your lives. Love you. <laughs> <laughs>